This is Debates on Tap. It is good. It's very good. <laughs> podcast where we drink, we argue, and someone wins. Prowler. I like to know them first before I prowl them. Well, but that's the bit. Welcome to Debates on Tap. This is a wait. I see. Whatever. It's fine. All right. Here's the thing. Here's a, Here's another thing. Oh, I get it. Unlike last, the show we're on. Unlike the show we're on, which is in another thing. This podcast where we drink, we talk, everyone wins. I'm Brian. And I'm Marcus. And we do that intro later in the episode. Normally. No, no, no. We do it. Oh, we do? Yeah. In this episode. In this episode. Because. Um, because this is our live episode. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to give you our live episode from Boulevardia, which I think went very well. No, it was great. It was super blast. It was. It was a lot of fun. Talked to cool guys. Um I, you know, I missed on a bit. I, cause I, beforehand we talked to Jeremy, Jeremy and Kyle yeah, from breweries. And we'll get yeah. into that. Uh, and I missed the very first thing I said where I, we introduced them. And then I said, when we were talking before the show, our uh-huh. little pre-production thing, when we were meeting them, I'm like, I'm just going to call you all Jeremy. Yeah. And they were like, huh, huh. and I'm like, well, this is going to be a bit right. I'm going to do on the show. And I did it. And I don't think anybody remembered or didn't care because he was like, no, I'm Kyle. And then I sort of look like an ass, like right up top. Well, mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, yep. Yep. <laughs> but real quick, speaking of looking like an ass. Yeah. Last week's show. I made a, I made a goof him up. <laughs> I made a bad. I made a, a very bad joke. Um, I tried to include the word chain and make a comment on our societies, basically our living wage as as a whole, but specifically the working environment of people in the service industry yeah, and the pay and the treatment they get. Um, I did it in a very lazy way. I did it in a very um, tone deaf way because really you should never, no matter how bad a job is, it should never be um, compared to slavery for any, because they get to go home. They, uh, yeah. you know, they have rights, which is great uh i mean you know women's rights are getting taken away left and right but <clears throat> anyway so i just obviously i want to apologize it was not on purpose it was just a very lazy joke um and it could have gone much much better yeah i mean if it was a better joke you yes. wouldn't have to apologize for correct it. well i still you know maybe i still would have but no if it was a better joke you'd have a netflix special and then <laughs> yeah and then a whole bunch of people would be on your side yeah 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 and then yeah. i would just be like well i'm just challenging people yeah yeah it's your job yeah to make offensive jokes um but uh being offensive was not my not my intention um, this time anytime <laughs> and i'm not gonna say i'm gonna try to be better because i'm just gonna be better by be better i mean i'm gonna be funnier oh good thank god finally right <laughs> it's about fucking time so we have your the episode for boulevardia up and vargas would you like to comment on it uh the quality of it well we didn't record it it got recorded. It got recorded, Let's, not by us. And, and you know, credit where credit's due. We didn't have to do anything, <laughs> which is great. Made our job easier. Uh, but if things are hard to hear, I'm sure it was uh, frustrating for whoever was doing the recording because we're recording, uh, you know, five white guys at a table talking into a microphone while a band is playing like for sure. 100 feet to the left or whatever. So uh, if it's a little tough to hear uh sorry about that but you know and remember we were the only two podcast hosts there so not i would say the general population does not know how to talk into a microphone when they're handed a microphone yeah 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 and we have to remember that and i need the listener to remember that yeah um 
but I think, yeah, I think it went well. No, it was super fun. Um, you're cutting out, and I remember you're, you're cutting out my bit where I there was a man who introduced us. Doesn't matter who he is. Yeah, no, we need to be the only ones talking on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Except for people we invite. Correct. So I just had a funny bit where I threw him under the bus, uh, but it got cut out, and that's fine. <laughs> I th- I'm gl- really glad we cut it out, but you're bringing it up. Yeah, well, the people got to know. Uh, so yeah, thanks again to Boulevardia. Thanks again to the Jeremy's and Kyle, uh, for, for talking to us. A lot um, of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, hopefully we'll be back next year if they do that podcast stage next year. Oh, I'll make sure of it. <laughs> You're going to build it yourself? I've already written letters. Oh, okay. Um, I don't want to say they're threatening, they're, but they weren't. They're menacing. The, yes. Is that menacing. higher or lower? On no, the... that's definitely lower. <laughs> okay. I don't think you can get charged for a crime for being a menace to society right no that's just the movie that's just yeah it's just making a movie yeah 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 so here's our interview with uh, a couple of brewers uh, jeremy jeremy and kyle uh from boulevardia this year uh thanks again to all everyone who was there thanks again to everyone who put it on and uh enjoy the interview we are debates on tap this is a podcast where we drink we argue and someone wins i'm brian and i'm vargas and we have three very special guests today at boulevardia if you guys want to run down give us your name tell us a bit about the brewery you're representing sure thanks for having me uh my name is jeremy raganese i am the president of uinta brewing company we're based out of salt lake city utah i'm a kansas city native so i'm actually coming back to visit family and some very close friends of mine here to the left so you went to Brewing Company, give you just a quick rundown. Started in 1993, so kind of one of the OGs of the craft movement, certainly for Utah. We were like the third since the repeal of Prohibition oh, back wow. in the state. So, uh, And it's all about the outdoor lifestyle, man. The brand has always been built off that. Um, Utah, uh, most people know it as a non-drinking state, but we do have drinkers out there, too. For sure. Uh, a lot of people moving there. Um, but, hey, the beer, beer scene's really growing. You went is a big part of that. We're one of the largest breweries in the state, and uh, just really thrilled to be back here in Kansas City and drinking with friends. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm uh, Jeremy Danner. I'm with Four Hands Brewing Company. I'm also a, a former Boulevardian. Uh, I've been in Kansas City. Grew up in Lexington, Missouri, but I moved to Kansas mm. City in 02. Mm, he says. There's a, <laughs> there's a guy that we all know that's from Lexington, and I won't say his name because he doesn't deserve his name to be mentioned. Fair. Yeah, but you can, you can look I'm at my Twitter. I'm sitting right here. You can, no, no, you can look at my Twitter feed and you'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, from Lexington, small town. And uh, Four Hands started in 2011 in St. Louis, and we're sort of known for... Uh, making hazy IPAs and fun milk stouts is kind of uh, the, the two things I would identify. And it's, I'm, I'm excited to return to Boulevardia Taps and Tastes as a participant instead of someone who's going to get there at 9 a.m. and leave at 11 p.m. tomorrow as in the past. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of fun to see this side of it. For sure. Awesome. Thank you for being here as well. And then lastly, Jeremy. I'm Kyle, <laughs> the only non-Jeremy. Uh, I'm Kyle Hopkins. Uh, What's your middle name? Sorry. Frederick. Oh, darn. Oh. I was hoping. Kyle Jeremy Hopkins. <laughs> Kyle Jeremy Dan Raggedy's Hopkins. Um, also a former Boulevardian. Uh, I now work for Surly Brewing Company, uh, based out of Minnesota. Uh, it's a new job for me in the last year, but I've been a fan of their beer since 2008. I had my first beer in Duluth, Minnesota. It was a Furious. I was in Canal Park, and as a young beer drinker, some you, yeah, you know Canal, Canal Park. Shout out. Go yeah. lead to read. Heck yeah. That's, the, that's um, the one citizen from Canal Park, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I, it's really a, a formative beer in my craft beer drinking, the uh, Furious IPA. 
Um, new to this market, uh, but something I've been driving home from Minnesota every summer when I go up there, so I'm a big fan of Surly. Surly was founded in 2007, uh, and then we were named uh, Brewery of the Year by Beer Advocate in 2008. Uh, so it's kind of been a wild ride since then, growing and trying to make enough beer for everybody. Um, and you know what? It's like 142 degrees. It is. Please, <laughs> please partake. That's some good ASMR. That's really good ASMR. <laughs> the people love it. I, I brought some beer to share. I've got a... Oh, you hear that? Ooh. I just put it in there. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> this. Um, what I, I was referring to was putting the microphone into a glass of beer <laughs> yeah. when Thank I said, what if I just put it in there? Theater of the mind. Right. This is, this is, you don't yeah. know how they're going to edit the replay of this, so <laughs> it could go either way. I can make it a tough gig. <laughs> so, um, so I, I brought a juicy pale ale from Surly. It's a, this is our logic bomb. Uh, five and a half percent, pretty crushable. It's got a couple sea hops in there. It's got sabro. It's got talus beautiful Cicerone pour there on the plastic, see that? <laughs> and apart from You've that, it before, tastes apparently. good. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, how about More that? Which is always good for a beer. <laughs> Thank um, you. So, Danner, you kind of mentioned you specifically, well, not specifically, but you specialize in hazy IPAs and stouts. Yeah, that's kind of what we're known for. Um, so I'll kind of pose that question to the other two. What is you into best known for type beer-wise? And uh, beers below the 5% ABV mark uh, is what we're known for because of the Weird. state of Utah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's actually, it's an amazing thing that as a uh, brewers that existed in this bubble of a control state, I don't know if you guys you live next door to Kansas, obviously, so people know what a control state is. Well, Utah has some of the strictest um, uh, manufacturing laws and distribution laws in the country, and it was always capped even at 4%, went to 5 when everybody else jumped to like 6, 7, and 8 um, so we thought we were, you know, really going to uh, burn the house down at that point. It <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Um, but with that in mind, our brewers got really good at packing a lot of flavor into a low ABV. So we were known for uh, a pale ale that was uh, at that time a 4%, now 5%, called Cutthroat. Um, and we brew all kinds of styles under that 5% range. But it wasn't until we started growing nationally when we started making a beer called Hopnosh, which was sort of the IPA that drove the brewery's growth from kind of the late, uh, you know, 2010 on through about 2017. It was what really paid the bills. And so Hopnosh, 7.3% ABV, uh, you know, super hoppy West Coast style IPA. And it was when everybody else's super hoppy West Coast IPA was also getting on the shelf. Um, so for us, that's that's what we're known for. But in latter years here, uh, still sticking with a lot of session beers for the state of Utah, which were the number one selling craft beer in the state. Um, so maintaining that distribution with all of those lower ABV beers. And frankly, it's probably helped my weight a little bit to stay <laughs> under the 5% mark, uh, drinking more of those these days. But um, yeah, I brought a 8.5% double IPA like everybody else here for the festival tomorrow. So. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, that... If there's a multiple over 8%, it's going to be a hot, wild festival. Usually it's the first thing they come for. So Yeah. Uh, Danner, same, th same thing. Kind of dive into some of those IPAs and stouts if you want. Yeah. So we have a, our, our, our biggest year-round beer that we focus on is a beer called Statewide, and it's actually a, a hazy pale ale. So it's a little bit lower ABV, a little bit less upfront bitterness than what you get from a hazy IPA. Uh, and the, the cool thing about that beer, in addition to it being delicious, is we're partnered uh, with Veterans Community Project. Um, we, we have a beer called Citywide that's really popular in St. Louis, and we, we link up with four charitable partners in St. Louis on that beer. And we wanted to, to take Citywide statewide, 
literally, and uh, we, we found that Veterans Community Project was actually in the process of opening uh, a St. Louis village. So we're uh, committed to raising $50,000 through sales of that beer, and that's what we'll, that's uh, how much it costs to build one of the tiny homes in their village, and we're going to go actually awesome. build it ourselves. We don't want to just write checks. We want to want to do shit too and, and be there for it but that's that's our big one and then chocolate milk stout is another seasonal beer that's super popular people know um but tomorrow we're pouring statewide we're pouring madagascar which is our big imperial uh, vanilla milk stout aged in whiskey barrels we have thank you which is a big uh imperial stout aged in uh, a blend of uh, willet bourbon peach and cherry brandy and caribbean rum barrels Ooh, we wow. have a we have sparkler it's a bomb pop flavored seltzer uh that is returning for its second year uh, we're going to pour a beer called uh, felix and milo that's a Belgian saison we brew to celebrate our uh, creative director. Uh, she had two boys that she named Felix and Milo. So it's a really cool saison to celebrate that occasion. And that's all taste and taps or taps and tastes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Taps and tastes. Taps and tastes, <laughs> and that's tomorrow, right? Uh, did we when we first named it? Did we argue about which went first? I'm pretty sure we did. We argued over everything. Oh, so, yeah, did we argue over everything? <laughs> what if I was there? We argued for sure. I like to get things right. I understand. Yeah. Uh, well, you're on the perfect <laughs> podcast, obviously. <laughs> uh, Kyle, same thing yeah. to you, Surly. Well, you know, uh, Jeremy was talking about low alcohol sessionable beers <laughs> and how it helps his weight. The little it's exactly <laughs> exactly what Surly's known for we as well. The These nice little that. polite beers exactly. that stay under the four percent. Yeah, as the name uh, as the name uh, implies. So I, I mentioned Furious. That's probably the beer we're most known for in the Midwest. We have a double IPA called Axeman, uh, probably our highest rated beer on Untapped. Uh, it, we don't call it a West Coast style, but it is. It's a, a Citra Mosaic, big, beautiful, uh, higher alcohol IPA. And probably the beer we're most renowned for is Darkness. And Darkness is a very non-delicate, <laughs> not light, not sessionable, um, big imperial stout. It's a Russian imperial stout. And, and it's become so popular, we have a whole Darkness Day to celebrate it. There's all sorts of variants. I actually brought a variant that we're going to finish with today that'll... Uh, hurt you probably because it's very large and i actually brought 2017 barrel aged darkness for taps and taste tomorrow oh. exclusively in uh, woodford rye barrels oh, i'm excited to i'm gonna have to try to not drink very much of that while i'm pouring it that's just for the brewers to have right? <laughs> it's just for us three <laughs> okay good just making sure can you be trusted to stand next to that keg all day I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> so if you're out there listening, it sounds like Taps and Taste is the place tomorrow, honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna be there. But, but are we teasing everybody because it's sold out? I look oh, it some of them might have it and they yeah, you know, they yeah. just forget about it. The heat sets in and they forget about Maybe it. Maybe that's what it is. Delusion. Um, point, so. Yeah. so on our podcast we normally argue with each other. We normally have a third co host. He just had a baby. Well, his wife had a baby. Um <laughs> He didn't do a, he didn't do a, any of the work, uh, but we normally argue and somebody wins. So we're gonna kind of throw some of these weirder, more argumentative questions. You can be as nice or you can be as surly as you want to <laughs> each other. See what you did there. there. Yeah. Um, so actually, Kyle, I'll start with you. Pretend we are on the dating game, mm. the, the one and only, and I want to take your brewery out. What would make me want to take your brewery out on a date? Mm. Besides well. this. I can hear your heartbeat from here. I know. Like, we were, both of us were trying to figure out what that was, too. Like, am I having a heart attack or a stroke right now? I think it's drums on the other stage. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm using nothing but the highest quality ingredients, uh, and you're going to black out in about 45 minutes in the best state of your life. That's his Barry White voice, too. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Not problematic at all. No, no. Uh, Danner? Same question. Woo me. Make me 
take your brewery out? Well, um, we're certainly not going to try to make you black. <laughs> 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 um, I, I'm just a, I'm determined that Kyle is not going to win this round. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter what I say, I don't think. But I, I would say that we are uh, we offer. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Just a lot of personality uh, in, in the beers that we make. We make things that are very approachable, so it's easy to get to know us, but then we're going to have uh, these bigger beers that surprise you. We have some beers that are uh, made to mimic the flavors you get in Cobbler. Uh, we made a we made like a pickled cucumber beer. <laughs> yeah, we made a pickled cucumber beer a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. um, and I, I think we, uh, like, like myself, we don't take ourselves too seriously. In a recent meeting, we were talking about an idea we had, and our, our owner, Kevin Limp, goes, this is stupid. But we do stupid so well, so we're we're gonna do it. So I think we're not afraid to do that, whether it's with our Tiger's Blood or uh, Snowcone inspired seltzers or whatever. It's just we want to have fun, and we also want to be more than beer to the community. Yeah, for sure. You have you have the volunteer aspect down pat. Uh, Jeremy, same thing. Well, if Kyle's gonna go to jail for taking you on a date, Dan's <laughs> gonna be a bad boy. Dan's gonna be the creative. Uh, 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 all no holes barred, lots of fun person. I guess what we are, for the most part, um, uh, we're the one you settle down with, probably. Um, ah, so we've, we've had got, our fun uh, yeah, now. yeah. You've had your fun now. Uh, the the best thing about our brewery, I think, is that uh, we do make a lot of approachable beers. We we do it uh, in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful state. Lots of uh, fun outdoor activities that are related to it. We are a very environmentally forward brewery. Uh, in fact, we were the first wind-powered business in the state of Utah, so adopted that in 2001 and then augmented with some solar power in, in 2011. Um, so that standpoint is, uh, you know, again, very big into environmental stewardship and the community and other things, too. But, um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to want to take us home to mom. We're a little more serious uh, in terms of uh, our, our brand and, and the types of things we do, but we like to have fun, too, while we're out in Utah. It a lot of playtime. It sounds Utah. like that side of the table is more of a, a downtown scene, and you're like a suburb. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> or you might just find us, you know, hold up in the mountains somewhere oh, and, yeah, uh, doing yeah. some downhill skiing or things like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, creativity is, is part of everything I think all of us do, but uh, but in Utah, we have to, you know, play that down a little bit because we like to go out and and uh, tear up the slopes a little bit in the morning and then uh, play more in the afternoon and evening. So. You got you got other things. You got to gotta do. pace yeah, yourself, yeah. right? I so feel, yeah. you know, again, uh, those are the things that probably we're known for and and uh, and best at. Well, for me, I want to black out on my dates, so <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with, with Surly because that, uh, yes! for me, that's just my kind of date that I, that I want to be on that end of it. Uh, Vargas? Well, you know I'm a, I'm a mountain man at heart. That's, that's true. If, if you look at look me, at you. you look at me, I'm a mountain man, so <laughs> I know where my heart lies. Excellent. We'll go on a hike together later. Oh, okay. <laughs> no holding hands, though. All right. I'm going to ask the dumb guy question. Because Brian and I were talking about this when we were coming up with questions. But Who the dumb guy is. That's what we were talking about. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the, the deal with different beers in different glass shapes. You guys are all brewers. I'm sure you have the, like, mustache twirling answer. But, like, does it really make a difference? Yes. Come that on. No, it really does. It really that does. Was no, and, and I'll tell you. I went to, um, when I was at Boulevard years ago, uh, we hosted a, a Spiegelau uh, seminar. And Spiegelau is a... They're a division of Riedel, so they make fancy beer glasses, and people make fancy wine glasses. And sure, I think, like, I'm happy to drink this beer out of a plastic cup. I drink it out of the can. I drink it out of shoe. I don't care. So I went into this, this <laughs> seminar thinking, this is bullshit. You know, they're just trying to sell me $40 worth of glassware. Yeah. So what you do is, as the night goes on, you know, you have your pint glass. Then they have, like, a wheat beer glass. So we all pour a Boulevard wheat into the wheat beer glass, a little bit into the pint glass. 
And as a brewer at the time, it was like tasting wheat beer for the first time because of the way the glass was shaped and the way it accentuated certain things. And I really thought it was crap going into it. But as the night goes on, you see people pouring less and less beer into their pint glass and more beer into the glass that is specifically designed for that style. So it absolutely does make a difference. And, and I would say kind of on a more basic level, too, for me, like if I go to someone's house and I'm like, oh, do you have a glass I can put this in? Because I think that's a misnomer we've all probably heard where you go, well, you know, it tastes different when I drink it out of a can. It doesn't. You're shoving aluminum into your nose. <laughs> while right, you're right. So you're, you're smelling that, and that affects the way you perceive the taste. But for me, if I'm at someone's house and they have like the, what, the shaker pints, right? Like yeah. the kind of thing you see in a bar or a wine glass, Chardonnay, any red wine, anything, I will always use a wine glass instead. And it's because of the way that you do perceive it with the difference in the shape. So there is definitely some differences. I mean, I'm sure you guys don't have 19 different versions of glassware at your home for each thing perfectly. Sure. But just making sure you're having a glass that you like that works for you and your palate. I totally agree. And, and you know, bars and restaurants had to use glassware as its utility to them. They have to have something non-breakable or it's going to obviously... Uh, just the use of it gets to be problematic. So w there are beer bars that do a great job of carrying specific glassware for specific styles, but we always recommend pouring it into a glass for both presentation, opens up a lot of aromas, you get a lot of the, the style characteristics that the brewers intended that really come out from the proper glassware. And more importantly, from our standpoint, you know, we want to sip and enjoy it, and you don't want to shove aluminum necessarily under your nose or just the tiny opening in the top of the bottle. So uh, anything you do in a glass, you get the full sensory experience and the proper glass can also enhance that and um, you know some of the the glassware for Belgian beers and things like that were very much designed for the type of beer that they're being uh, served with so those things are, are incredibly important Jeremy I have really good news yes I poured one for Danner and he poured himself one hey, so I just poured perfect. us all the lacuna cold IPA uh, already 7.2 percent cold IPA the exact same hops that were in the last beer. I kind of think that's fun. It's different ratios, but the same uh, hops. I think it would be a great idea to tell these guys what a cold IPA is. So I also agree with that, actually. Unique. Cold you IPAs. Host, you should host yeah. the podcast and interview <laughs> podcast. What am I doing here? This is changing all of a sudden. <laughs> um, cold IPAs are kind of newer. Uh, essentially, what we do with ours is we're using Pilsner malt and corn, and we're using a German lager yeast. So you're using all the ingredients you would use to make a lager. But when we get to the hop side you switch things up and you treat it hop-wise like you're making an IPA. So it has a really clean, crisp body to it, but then it really allows the hops to shine. Uh, and it's same as the last one. There's Centennial, there's Citra, uh, and then Sabro and Talus. There's also Warrior and there's a bittering hop. But I don't know. I, I, these are two beers I've been drinking all summer. Like I think they're really good for hot weather. Super uh, crushable. This is a delicious beer. Honestly, the, uh, the style is one of those that came out of kind of left field, and brewers have been experimenting with different types of yeast combinations and you've heard about brewed IPAs things like that which were dry version super dry yeah. uh, IPAs and very hoppy but this this has more of kind of a cross-pollination between a Pilsner and an IPA and so it's just incredibly drinkable and a lot of brewers are experimenting with them right now and in fact there's one on in our tap room right now yeah. so, yep. if, if this is in fact a competition I'd like to point out that it is not summer yet <laughs> and I'd, I'd like I'd like is there, is there some way to deduct no yeah well, actually, <laughs> he said also it's, it's not like even Harry summer Potter. yet it's 90 it's not, not summer Look, dude. Semantics is where this podcast lives. So Good. unfortunately, <laughs> he's got I, you. I have a one question for you, Danner. Did you put on a summer amount of gold bond today? <laughs> I don't have to answer to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Right. Well, if that's the case, then it's summer all year, oh, yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, Danner, you mentioned a lot of very, um, 
I don't want to say the word quirky, but we are at Boulevard, so it might sure. be a good word to use. But you mentioned a lot of quirky types of style and styles of, of beer you have there. Do you have one that's like your biggest failure that hasn't made the market that everybody thought was going to be really great? You know, we um, I'm not in, I'm not as involved in R and D and innovation at, at Four Hands as I was at Boulevard, but I, at certainly at Boulevard, I remember the and this is a beer that has come back and gone away again. Uh, but Two Jokers was an imperial sour wit beer, and the world was certainly begging for that style. Yeah, there was lavender. Yeah, too. and and we use we use lavender, and I love lavender. Um, and we we learned in making that beer when you're when you're using hops to make you know there's hops in the beer too. You know how much bitterness you're going to get because it's it's literally um, an expression of, of parts per million of alpha acid. So you can do math to figure that out. But with lavender, there's no like lavender quotient right. necessarily. So we put a bunch of lavender in the whirlpool, and the beer smelled like that, um, like the shitty purple conditioner that you get <laughs> at like yeah, the dollar store right now. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. Purple essences. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just just terrible because we didn't know. And and you know once we figured out how to how to do that, but yeah, I mean there there's certainly failures. I think. And I'm going to soapbox for just a second, very briefly. Yeah. That you, if you're going to open a brewery, you have to be okay with dumping beer. And if you say that you can't afford to dump beer, you can't afford to open a brewery. Yep. That's it's, actually it's really good. What you have to do, man. Yeah. And people would always ask me on the tour at Boulevard, uh, like, well, what do you do with the beer that doesn't pass spec? Well, it gets dumped, and that's what happens at Forehands too. And they say, well, you could give it away. But if I were a pizza place, I don't want to be known as the guy who gives away burnt pizza. I want to be the <laughs> or guy who makes burnt pizza. Yeah, or, make, or even makes burnt pizza, yeah. I want to be the guy who sells awesome do pizza. Do this so again and again? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been failures for sure. Yeah, I yeah. do want to say that one of my favorite pairings of all time, I don't remember what cheese it was, but it was Green Dirt Farm yeah, with, two with two Jokers. I did that at a tasting out there, and it was heavenly. Crazy beer. That was a, uh, a, a ex- experiment, but the beer was exceptional when it came to, to market. I yeah, mean, it's fantastic. It was a, a great memories of that beer. But um, I can relay one uh, cautionary tale that truly has left damage, and it actually damaged the brewery I work for now pretty significantly. Um, this is when you start a craft brewery. Generally, you're looking for inspiration from many different sources, but more importantly, it's sort of the, it is the soul of the brewer, and it's certainly a, a, an art and a science together. And unfortunately, when I joined the brewery uh, back in 2016 in, in Utah, there was an ownership that had been ownership uh, uh, from an investment group, and they brought in an outside consultant, which anybody here who's worked with outside consultants, any outside consultants in the audience I need to be aware of now? So uh, they, they... Anybody from uh, Canal Park? They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they came in, and they wanted to run a massive research project, and, you know, and, and of course, that fell into my world. I was the chief marketing officer at the time, and... Uh, and using that research, they then wanted to filter the entire approach to an idea based on this one, this consultant and their view of what was going to be successful. And this person had never worked in the brewing industry. They'd worked in consumer packaged goods, probably for like Procter & Gamble or something. So we spent a gargantuan amount of money and took to market the worst apple beer you'd ever had <laughs> in your life. So imagine Red's Apple Ale, and you vomit, and it's something like the vomit oh, part yeah. of Red's Apple Ale. I don't have to imagine. Yeah, you can. That's oh, happened. Done it. Oh, <laughs> it's not good. great. It's not great. So I use this as a cautionary tale, and in fact, I even have a trophy in my office and a can of this beer to remind myself, oh my hey, what's up, bro? Um, never to follow those kinds of decision-making again, because everybody in the brewery hated it, and it actually made it all the way to... Two distributors, and and we ended up buying it back. I, you know, at that wow. point in time, 
it just didn't sell. And so, you know, the investment group that had brought this consultant in and, and you know, really tried to drive the bus on this major new product launch, which was one of the biggest catastrophes. And, you know, we lost people because of that. And so it's because what drives craft beer isn't necessarily what you're watching in terms of consumer trends. It's what's happening inside the brewery that inspires our people to make great beer. And in turn, you know, we respond to those trends and sometimes we're on the cutting edge and sometimes we're a little behind. But at the end of the day, that, that for me was a huge failure, but it taught me a great lesson. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, you sh I'm certain all three of you take the lessons out of the failures because that's part of running a business. I think that has so. to be part of it because what we're doing every day, you know, it is imperfect, but we're trying to, every time we do something, to make it better or improve upon it. Or, you know, in the case of coming up with the next great beer, that's everybody's goal. We want to all be a part of that. Yeah. Kyle, do you have any big fails? Yeah, so um, interestingly enough, at Surly, we've actually never failed. We've only succeeded nice. with right. every beer yeah. we've made. Nice. We're a little arrogant. Don't I feel like a... <laughs> <laughs> Which is a wow. perfect segue to... Uh... Oh, the ASMR. Oh. We are doing so well. So I mentioned darkness. This might be my favorite. Oh, yeah, get that. Wow, that there. is extremely Th This dark. might be my favorite variant. So it's a it's called Midnight Manhattan, and it was a 2021 variant. So there's uh, cherries added, there's orange peel added, and it's been aged in rye whiskey barrels. So really trying to mimic the uh, flavor profile of a Manhattan cocktail. Awesome. Well, now you're just talking my language. We're just going to tell you goodnight. Yeah. yeah. And, and this uh, is the part of the day. It's been a pleasure to be with you yeah, guys. Yeah, the blackout so happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kyle, actually, that segues pretty well into, do you want to talk about Darkness Day? Because that's a pretty big deal. I'd love to. Yeah, so um, Darkness Day originally used to be the coldest day of the year. Or, sorry, the uh, shortest day of the year. The most dark day of the year, which yes. is December 21st. And we decided that would be a great day to have an overnight outdoor camping festival in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> That because, sounds cold. Because people live indoors for four or five or six months, depending on where you live in Minnesota. So it was like, you know what? For one night, we can do this. Were you drinking this while you came up So the beer party? releases in the morning. So as soon as the sun goes down on darkness day, you're allowed to come in. You set up your tent. Uh, people will bring ridiculous verticals, crazy old beers from their cellar. Um, and so it's a big kind of party for the community in Minneapolis. And I, I know people from Kansas City that have traveled up for Darkness Day. Wow. Um, and, and what's really nice about this is obviously the pandemic uh, forced it. But we actually hadn't had it before that because of the laws in Minnesota making it uh, really hard to do events like that. And recently we helped kind of this charge with a bunch of other Minnesota breweries. It was this thing called Free the Growler where we are now allowed to sell beer from our beer hall, just kind of like what happens down the street for Boulevard. Yeah. But it really changes your business as a brewery. So Darkness Day is actually back on. Uh, we haven't announced the date yet, but this October it'll be happening again. Um, you guys have invites. I just invited you. You're welcome. Hell yeah. Come on up. I mean, I'll we'll do a live show. We'll do a live show at Darkest <laughs> Day. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys were, were involved in a couple government changing uh, things in Minnesota, because, specifically because of, of what you were doing at your brewery. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, right? The, the laws yeah. in America have been uh, painful, and you know that where you're I from. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> they're all very good. Let's no use, need to change them. Let's use Utah as the example, if you want. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, we, we're a state that's dominated by a single religion, but it's also, it's not even that. It has as much to do with 
again, kind of a, a mix of culture and people that have just decided that alcohol needs to be heavily regulated. But And I get that. And the problem is, is the, there's a lot of misunderstanding in the state legislature. So we're working. Uh, there's only, you know, now 42, 43 craft brewers in the state. So small number of brewers, uh, but with alcohol being a part of the tourism industry and other things, too, we're really trying hard to get the attitudes to shift and allow us a little bit more flexibility. But, um, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse, too, because we're, we're insulated in a little bit of a bubble in yeah. that state. So. And so for us, yeah, like 2011 was the uh, surly, the surly bill that got passed. And that, it, you know, I just started working for Surly in the last year, but I've been drinking in Minneapolis for the last decade, and there's so many awesome breweries up there, and a lot of that is because of the work that was done. And it wasn't just Surly. Uh, there was a team of legislators that really helped push it through because it makes it makes sense. It's good for everybody to allow people to make a high-quality product that consumers want and let them buy it. it At the place that... Yeah, yeah, yeah it just it, seems it, so uh, rational yeah. when you talk about it, but the laws don't always match up with what people want. So, uh, yeah, the, the Surly bill, though, in 2011... Really changed the game for us. Did that overturn prohibition area laws, or were, were was it laws that came in know. after? I don't know how old that would have been, but I mean, obviously they were uh, antiquated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little out of date. For I sure. mean, what what sort of group would want to prevent a brewery from selling their own beer at their brewery, though? Who would do that? <laughs> Is there any group that either of you guys would name on this podcast that would do that? <laughs> Thanks for setting it up there. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. it, it is interesting. There, yeah, there are funny cool. laws about what we do, whether it's related to prohibition or neo-prohibition, uh, you know, sin laws or whatever. But when you look at it, they're literally just impediments to commerce and progress. And it's a state saying, no, we don't want more tax revenue. Or it's a group of folks who have more lobbying power, basically standing on the neck of those folks that they have these agreements with. And it's insane to me why you wouldn't want a brewery to be able to sell beer to go because that gets more people into that beer and they can have that cool experience of the brewery. It's, it's a wild thing. I don't understand it. Yeah, but I, my morality. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Someone think of the children. Yeah, like, <laughs> you still have a, a Utah hike that will bring you back. Down. You'll be grounded. We'll take again. you back down to the valley yeah. and introduce you to some of our friends. Perfect. In the, the legislature. Yeah, it's, you know, the laws that exist, obviously, you know, somebody wrote them with an intent. The problem is, is that as the industry has changed and evolved and, um, you know, brewers are some of the most responsible corporate citizens trying to manage both the legal aspects of their business, which, of course, we are heavily reg regulated, and the social responsibility aspects of the business, and, and the combination of those, and, and also do the best things, the right things for the community. Think about what Boulevard does for Kansas City. Think about what Forehands does for St. Louis or Surly for Minneapolis. We are good stewards of our community, and we're trying to build really good businesses that represent those local markets. And from a Uinta perspective, you know, I, tr I hold my team to the highest possible standards we can possibly uh, hold ourselves to because we are accountable to those laws. So I think it's, it's a misnomer that, you know, the legislatures and oftentimes these prohibitionist style movements, you know, are looking for ways to say alcohol breeds irresponsibility. Well, in fact, the businesses that are behind these, uh, you know, these breweries and, and the people behind these breweries actually have the opposite intent. They really want to be great corporate citizens. Yeah, not there's not a lot of uh, people who are are the the sloppy, messy alcoholics that that people think run or work there. That's Those not breweries what are not going to be in business long yeah. if that's no, their business yeah. model. That doesn't that just doesn't happen anymore. It's just funny when people say like stick to beer. Like okay, <laughs> then we'll take back that five hundred thousand dollars that was donated to the community yeah. or yeah. all these all these works that breweries do. And breweries daily get calls to support awesome causes with beer or with you know sponsorship dollars. So it's. It's funny to say that it's not a political activity when it's political activity that sometimes bogs down our progress and the things that we'd like to do. 
crap, you just set me up for one. You, literally, I'm getting these flashbacks of Boulevardia all of a sudden. So uh, when we set up Boulevardia originally, the idea for the community involvement was that we were going to bring all these charities in to run both staff the bars and run you know, sort of these microcosms for themselves and then set up a fund to help uh, provide donations back to the community. And I don't know the grand total of the last several years of Boulevardia, but it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that Boulevardia has generated for local charities. Uh, and that was by design. I mean, that was part of the, these are the groups that help support the, the, the brewery. And uh, in part, Boulevard does a great job sponsoring and partnering with those folks here locally. So I'm proud of that legacy. I know the two guys left in the ER as well. And, and that's a really big deal for any brewery and their local community is to have those, those roots run as deep as you can. Yeah. And it's almost like breweries do more for their communities than the politicians. But we're not a political <laughs> podcast, so we don't have to get into well, it. I'm glad you pivoted to politics. Let's yeah. start. No. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here we Just go. Kidding. Now the podcast We've starts. got darkness in front of us. We should not <laughs> pivot to politics. What was the ABV I showed you? 12%. Yeah. And it's got a friendly little goat on the label. How, how smooth is it, though? It's Super. like fudge brownie. Surprisingly, for mm. a 12% beer. This beer tastes like I have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so, big opposite of your, your maybe, I don't want to say biggest failures, but what are your the most surprising successes? Something that maybe people are like, this is not going to sell, and then it just goes wild whenever it hits the market. Like that lavender beer. Dude, it was an amazing beer, though. It, it was really good. I'm trying to think about projects I've been involved where I, I didn't see value and, and there was value. But it's tough to think back because, like... I have one. Do you have one? Okay, good. I got nothing. Well, I mean, the most obvious for me, and this will haunt me the day that I, till the day that I die, is that I screwed up the naming for Tank 7. Okay, John well. McDonald won't let me forget it. So, I mean, I, it's not that I didn't recognize the value of the beer. It's that I thought the beer deserved a more elegant name for what it was. But the brewers insisted, and you were one of them. So, I mean, it was really – and I, you were right. So, from my standpoint – Can you say that again? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I said it once. I'm never going to say it okay. again. We marked At it this down point over here. Time, it's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's recorded. You get cool. it back. You can play it back anytime <laughs> you want. Uh, you know, you, you learn that, you know, you, you, you can make – uh, a decision that consumers don't respond to it. And at the same time, as a marketer, you can brand a beer a certain way and you think this is going to light the world on fire. It just doesn't work. And, um, you know, the marriage of the two is what really generates the excitement. But honest to God, you know, success comes from because consumers respond to something significant in the beer. I see there's cans of unfiltered wheat beer around here. And I remember so vividly watching the market evolve from going from a clear wheat beer to a beer with a little garnish of a lemon on the corner of the glass. And it's the lemon that drove the success of unfiltered wheat beer. It had nothing to do with the beer itself originally. The naturally citrus taste and the, the high quality and all that stuff, yes, it played a part. But, you know, you think about the success of unfiltered wheat beer, thank God lemons were invented. <laughs> yeah. I so appreciate wrong. all the lemons in the world now. So. so for us, I think it's pretty recent. Um, we came out with a beer called Grapefruit Supreme. And so it's a Berliner Weiss, 4.5%, and there's grapefruit added. And that was kind of our brewer's answer. Uh, it's hard to exist in the world as a brewer right now and not make a seltzer product. And so our brewers came up with this idea that we'll, we'll, we'll do the beer route, but we can create a, 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 a canvas to do all sorts of different, I think there's eight different versions that I've tried of this, of the 
this Berliner Weiss with fruit. So that beer was very different than anything Surly had ever made. It's like a very different product, and we released it in March of 2020. And um, if you think back to March of 2020, there was a global pandemic that mm. hit. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> Are you s- no recollection? Right year? It's 2020. Are you certain that's the right year? I believe so. <laughs> okay. Uh, but essentially, you know, and these guys know this, when something like that happens, when your brewery is mm. throwing something new out into the world, you throw parties. You have tastings, you are spending money on things so people can see it. There's kegs in everybody's warehouse all over the country ready to go to all the bars that are full of people for St. Patrick's Day, and everything fell apart. Um, And so I think it was almost a given that, well, this isn't going to work. And then it just sold way more than anyone thought all summer long. Everybody's drinking at home, and it's hot. There's a pandemic. People wanted to drink four and a half percent beer at eight in the morning, and I don't blame them for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that is a success for us. Now we have a couple different like variety packs with that. There's a tropical variety pack out in the summer that I, I bring to every beer festival, so I can drink four and a half percent beers while I pour the twelve <laughs> percent beers for the consumers. <laughs> so I'm still standing at the end of it. But yeah, that's just kind of a fun. Shh, that's a secret. <laughs> Everything aligned for that beer, though. Okay, that's you know that's I mean aligned. In a in a way, the silver lining yeah, of the alignment. Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danner, did you have one that you? You know, I think we've been surprised by the reaction we've seen to our our seltzers. Um, we we made our our, our bomb pop seltzer for the first time last year, uh, called Sparkler, and we thought it was fun. And again, going back to the we do stupid well, we thought it was <laughs> kind of stupid too. Uh, we ended up having to place limits on the amount that one person could purchase at a time at the brewery. So normally we're dropping uh, you know, our beer in Madagascar is like our big release and people line up for that and freak out and we do it online and the website crashes and all that. But now we're putting four pack limits on seltzer, which is just the weirdest <laughs> shit that no one saw coming. Yeah. And then and, you know, we release another one and we're getting, I do, I do social for the brewery as well because I need more things to do. And we're getting people from Wisconsin and well, can you ship it here? I'm like, I'm sorry, but we're not allowed to ship directly to people. We can ship it to a store. I'm like, well, actually, I have an understanding of how this works. And like, if I could do that, I would. But it's, it's so wild to see these things happen. We did a, a Girl Scout cookie-inspired series of chocolate milk stouts that we thought were cool. And again, you know, people from 20 states are trying to get these beers from a brewery that sells you know, 98% of its beer in Missouri. Uh, so it, it's, it is interesting because we're so deep in it and involved in a way. And um, all of us are, are you, for, are you 40 yet, Kyle? Oh, yeah. And Jeremy's almost 40, so... Ish. Ish, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it, we have to recognize that we aren't always the everyday consumer for our beers. And there's some things that the breweries make that I don't understand, but I don't need to because that's not my job. It's my job to help market and sell it the best I can. So it's, it's fun to see those things happen and blow up. And I think it's important to remember, I've, especially if you're in a, a leadership or uh, a decision-making role, that, like, not everything's for you, man. I've never bought your seltzers before because I just I don't buy a lot of seltzers. At the Forehands Lupulin Carnival, you got me two or three. After that was everything I needed in my life. It's so good, <laughs> dude. After I mean, it was a sweaty. My my calves were sunburned from being just outside the carnival tent with my calves, <laughs> and he brought me over the seltzer, and I was like, I'm kind of done drinking for the day, but it was oh, so yeah. refreshing, and I was like, I see why you guys make this. Uh, that's exact. I would say I'm pointing the uh, back to you, Winta, now instead of wearing the other hat. The the biggest success we had. That wasn't necessarily a surprise, but it really has sustained, has been a lime pilsner yeah, of all I things. I mean, it was a, a infinitely crushable, uh, you know, nice, delightful 5% pilsner with lime flavoring. And really, at the end of the day, 
that's what consumers were looking for, and that's what they bought. And yeah. you know, when when you think about a beer that goes straight down the middle of the uh, strike zone for you know most people, that would certainly fall into that camp. But uh, but crushable beers have have had their you know resurgence. Pilsners are doing great, and you know we we certainly for that standpoint, I wasn't like we prescribed success, but it became a very big success. Absolutely, us. yeah. Uh, and we're wrapping up here, but. Um, do you oh, guys, are we? We are. Okay. Uh, more I have decided. There's more beer next to us <laughs> over here in the tent. Um, is there, kind of plug your breweries, is there anything big coming up, any announcements you guys have, any future plans that, that you're kind of excited about that you can announce? We're purchasing Uinta. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you heard, heard it like, here You've first. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Four hands west. You're my wow. boss again, dude. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm just, uh, yeah, oh, God. I, I just gained religion. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Uinta uh, right now actually is a great time for Uinta Brewing Company. Uh, we just hired a new director of brewing operations uh, from Melvin Brewing, uh, which is in Alpine, Wyoming. Uh, they're great friends of ours, and we've worked with them on a number of projects. But um, and with his arrival and with some of the changes we've made, you know, we've had a lot of things happen in the last couple of years as we restructured and essentially retrenched to the western half of the U.S. And right now, we, we actually got new ownership. No, f I know you're joking, <laughs> but we actually did get new ownership. I'm very much joking. Uh, so we had uh, a big change there. And I would just simply say we're poised for some really, really great things. Um, they're investing about $2 million in CapEx in the brewery right now. Um, we've made a great seltzer, and we continue to rock it with that called Westwater. Uh, and, you know, right now the 2023 plan is being baked. So I'm just going to simply say I'm looking forward to the future of Uinta Brewing Company because it's really exciting for me to work with some really exceptional people. And by exceptional people, I mean I have a great team. And uh, I'm looking forward to what they bring to the table more than anything else. So I, I get to ride on their coattails. That's awesome. Danner? Yeah, I mean, we don't have anything huge to share. We're just, you know, we're, we're opening uh, a satellite tap room in, in Kirkwood uh, near the train station, and that's that'll be our first, um, you know, secondary location to see how that works, and that might be something that we'd like to do in other parts of the state uh, at some point as well, just as we continue to grow and, and create awareness. I, I have a really cool gig in that I've been in the Kansas City beer scene. I worked at 75th Street Brewery starting back in 2005, so I've been around a long time and there's just so much opportunity for me to generate awareness and affinity. I mean, four years ago, I was at, not, a little over four years ago, I was at Royal Liquor doing a Boulevard tasting and a woman came up to the Boulevard table and she goes, um, where's, where's Boulevard from? And I said, well, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question. Where are you from? And she goes, I'm born and raised in Kansas City and I've never oh, heard of Boulevard. Oh, and I, I leaned in real close and I go, ma'am, are you fucking with me? <laughs> and she goes, I am not. So pretty uh, sure I got an email about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not like you didn't get other emails, man. If, if that's the worst thing I did. Thanks, man. Right. Yeah. But but even a brewery like Boulevard with that stature, there are people who haven't had the beer. So a brewery like Forehands, you know, we're huge in St. Louis, but there's so much opportunity. That's what I'm excited about is just this weekend the chance to show more people our beer during taps and tastes and be around and put uh, a friendly face on it because I have the amazing position to get to completely inform someone's worldview of our brewery and our beers and what we do yeah. in five minutes and that's such a cool chance for me. Yeah, that's I'm, awesome. I'm from St. Louis and I, that's the only brewery I can think of uh, from St. Louis. Good. You know, four Hands. Oh, that's Urban it. Chestnut. Nope, that's no, it. Um, just Four Never hands. heard of them. Just nope. those two, right? You never heard of Budweiser? Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, that was the... Budweiser? Oh. Um, I, I would kind of echo somewhat Jeremy's saying. Uh, for me, with Surly in Kansas City, 
Um, it's amazing to me how few people have even heard of Surly. And so there's so much opportunity. We came to this market in November, so we've been here for about seven months, eight months. But All summer. At this point, uh, <laughs> at this point um, my kids are eating because I'm selling beer in this town, and we keep getting more beer here, and it should be on tap more places and in more liquor stores and uh, greater variety and all sorts of new stuff. So... Uh, I think that's just for me, anyone local, that's fun. And I would also say if anyone ever is traveling to Minneapolis, uh, our beer hall is just amazing. It's beautiful. Um, and, and the upstairs is like a, yeah, look at this, yeah, Canal Park. Canal Park, what up? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it really is. The, the food's amazing. And I will actually say when I met the, the guy that did all the menu, he and his team actually spent some time in Kansas City eating smoked meats. And they do like some tacos and they use some different smoked meat stuff. But they like came down and did the grand tour like they wanted to learn from the greatest. So I feel at home when I'm up there uh, eating smoked meats at their beer hall. And we've got about 40 beers on tap. So, you know, Kansas City to Minnesota is about six hours. Sorry, to Minneapolis. So a lot of people from around here, I think, go up there and have lake vacations. So if you've never heard of it, never checked it out, uh, go give it a try and uh, drink some of those 40 beers on tap. Awesome. Um, thank you guys so much for, yeah, for sitting oh, thank with you. us. You guys uh, have been great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to Bull Boulevardia for finally allowing five white men to have microphones. <laughs> finally. <laughs> oh, so it's finally happened. We finally got our chance. This is our time. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was Jeremy uh, Raggedy's that said that. <laughs> <laughs> we are debates uh, on tap. It was tap. Kyle Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Jeremy. KJ. Jeremy Oswald. From now on. We're debates on tap. Uh, thank you all and enjoy all the beer. Hey, thanks for coming, guys. Appreciate it.